Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. Hey, special thanks to Paul Reed Smith. They make some of the best guitars in the world, and I'm so proud to have them as a sponsor. Check them out at prsguitars.com. Scott Gunner. Yo. Hi, buddy. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for doing this. Are you having a good day? Uh, yeah, I had my first physical, not first physical, my first physical this year. It's kind of cold for a physical. Yeah, well, they don't touch as much as they used to touch <laughs> in physical, so actually, it was, uh, it was pretty warm. <laughs> they frown on that now? They, they, I was, not, she's, you know, ain't something I would have pushed, I wouldn't push her away, but I don't think I, she was willing to embrace me just for a physical. Not a lot of... Turning your head and coughing like they used Not, to. Not, I know. Then they, I'm like, what were they doing? Was they just fucking with us? They're like, I'm gonna grab his balls and make him cough. Let's see if he does it. And it started that way. And now it's like, did they fall? Yeah. Welcome to the office. You. <laughs> How's your dad? Oh, dude, this no. We're not talking about that. <laughs> All right, start. So you're from Georgia. Yes, Tequila, Georgia. Tequila. 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 Where's that? About halfway to Atlanta and Athens. Oh, okay. It's about like Pegram. It's a little, used to be a little redneck town. Now it's a bedroom community to Atlanta. Okay. Musical family? Nope. So, uh, everybody sang in church. Okay. I think everybody sang in church, pretty much. Yeah. My dad did, my sisters did, come think of it. Sisters sang with my mom. Okay. But dad had a great voice. Yeah. But uh, he never sang in church, that I recall. It's funny. Did you sing in church? I did. I was not a group singer very well. Would you take the solos? I was just la- I was more the rock voice, which didn't work really well in the church. Thing. I would sing, but my uh, cousin used to get annoyed at me because apparently I was a little loud. <laughs> I kind of believe that. Yeah. So then what in the heck got you into music? Just random. Really? Random tennis game. One day with a guy, Mike Everett. Yeah. Tennis game. Just pick up tennis. Yeah. Yeah. And that got you into music. Literally. Can you expand? (laughs) Ain't a lot to expand on. (laughs) Well, what was he playing an eight track, a Bachman Turner? No, I I mean, I played in bad bands. I I was a bad singer in a bad band, just as a redneck. I mean, I was a redneck from small town that you just kind of had no. My world was so tiny, I didn't, didn't. Music was just the radio. Yeah. And literally, yeah. that was what music was. Anyway, so I was uh, a, uh, a friend of mine, you know, I'd sang just around school and just, you know, your typical small mm-hmm. town stuff. I sang at funerals and weddings and, and like little high school dances or whatever, just, you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, but, and then at one point, uh, this guy, uh, Steve McAdams, he got me. He said, "Man, you want to sing in a uh, you want to sing in a, a contemporary Christian band?" And uh, I'm like, "Sure." And uh, so, singing that first time, singing that for a little bit, and you know that never, of course, was it was what it was. Yeah. Uh, and we came up here one day. He's like, "Man, Mike Everett, who went to school with us, 
is going to up there to Nashville and he's getting a music business degree or whatever. I don't know. He Belmont said, kid? Yeah, this was yeah. 1980. Okay. And he says, uh, let's go and record, an, uh, record some songs. He needs somebody to record. So I went up here. Uh, we stayed in a hotel uh, right around uh, toward the farmer's market. It was like the Aladdin Inn. And it had vibrating beds <laughs> and porn on the TV. And we were in a Christian band. Right. And uh, Put those quarters back in your pocket, Yeah, fella. so I don't remember everything about that. But uh, so we came up here, went to the studio, recorded. That was fun. Everything I was like, really? It's really cool. So that kind of, you know, went away, you know. And yeah. I went back home, played in some bad country bands in, in Marietta just on weekends uh, with Steve. Same thing. We both... Uh, went on and did some that stuff. Anyway, got back, you know, just all that was just in the middle of life. That yeah. was really a hobby, definitely a hobby. And so uh, my, I always planned, my dad had a tire store and a construction company. Okay. He, he had started, uh, you know, uh, had been a part of both of them, building both of them from nothing. And, uh, and so I was, you know, I don't, you know, you just, I was just, Going in Atlanta, getting drunk and just drinking beer and just, I was just being a redneck. And I just thought, well, you know, the way this happens in small towns is daddy's going to give me, you know, the, the tire business. Right. And hand you the keys. Yeah. So, but I was a horrible employee. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I was, there was nothing that was inspiring about my work ethic or my focus. And so daddy started getting a little unhealthy uh, diabetes and stuff. And he, was ready to retire. He just mm-hmm. was just diabetes and stuff more than anything in hindsight to me. And so, you know, I was expecting, you know, because I was still living at home, of course. Right. Sure. You know, that's what losers do. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, well, son, uh, I'm not going to give you the business. I'm selling it because you'll just run it in the ground. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm hurt, but you're right. <laughs> I, no, I didn't. I didn't think there was no right or wrong. I just didn't. I just thought it was the way it was. Right. You give your son with yeah. with, uh, with shitty work ethic your company, and he runs <laughs> in the ground. That's the way life happens. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So I'm like, well, fuck. <laughs> That's that was my plan for life, and uh, you know, and drinking beer and trying to sleep with. Girls appropriate age that liked tires that liked me. <laughs> Not even care if they liked me, just that they would. Anyway, so I'm like, well, shit, man, I, I'm, I got to have a plan. He's like, and he was, and so I didn't know what I was going to do. And then one day I was playing. Mike, who had went up here, Mike Everett, had, had went to school up here, got his degree. He had moved back home to Decula because his mom and dad were in bad health. And we, we'd hang out some, and we were playing, you know, just tennis at a little tennis court in Decula. And uh, just randomly, I'm like, hey, man, that was really cool. You know, went up there and recorded an old band. Yeah. And he was like, do you want to go to Belmont? I'm like, uh, I, I, sure. I Is that where you recorded at the studio at Belmont? Yeah, it was the first one. Okay. Like, uh, whatever, Turnley Studios, I think, okay. the name of it. And, uh I just, I mean, I don't even know how serious I was yeah. about it. But he just jumped all over it. Like two weeks later, we were up here, and he had me, enter, you know, he introduced me to, the, the, like, one of the guys in admissions. And and Daddy was like, okay, I'll pay for you if you can, you know. I'd already flunked out of a junior college, and 
in like half a quarter. Right. Actually, in at home, right out of high school. Uh, didn't even finish the quarters because I couldn't really study and drink. And uh, <laughs> and so you're the first person that's ever that happened to. Yeah, I know. Well, Daddy uh, kind of apparently wasn't because Daddy kind of had a, he was like, uh, I know how this goes, and you're not going to do it to me. Mm-hmm. So anyway. So next thing you know, I was enrolled up here. I mean, seriously, I, I didn't have any other option. Daddy said he'd pay for me to get through school, and it was nowhere near the crazy amount that it costs now. Yeah. You know. Uh, so and this was 84 through 87? 84 through 87, yes. Okay. And uh, and so I got up here. Who's your engineering teacher? My first was it, engineering uh, teacher was Craig Courier. Craig Courier, yeah. I had I had signed yeah. up for the class because Scott Hendricks was supposed to teach it. They said he was great. He Craig, was the best. Craig was my first teacher, too. Well, I showed up 7 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday was the class. Okay. That's I'll, three times a week. Uh-huh. Did you have to do that? Probably. It, that was only 7 a.m. class almost. Not what. But anyway, so I show up, and here's Craig. It, I think it was his first class, yeah. first time, too. I'm like, where the hell has this guy been hearing about? He doesn't get here till now. He quit. He stopped doing a lot of them because it was when Restless Heart he was recording, I think. Okay. Anyway, it was too damn busy for it, apparently. Right. Yeah. We've talked about that since, yeah. since then. But anyway. He's probably real sorry. Not really. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, he uh, so I started doing that and I got up here. And for whatever reason, I started interning immediately. You know, out of the box yeah. you get interned back in the day. And I was just like, "Holy shit, I I've got to, I've got to find a way." Not I didn't have a future back home. Yeah. So once I got up here, I just became going home was not an option. No, and I just started working my ass off. So, how then? How did you get an internship, and what did you get out of an internship? I learned just I, everything. I knew nothing about I, the music business. I mean. I knew nothing about nothing. I, so I knew you were at Master Phonics for a while, but that was yeah. I know that was afterwards. Yep. But but I mean, like where where did you intern? I mean, publishing I interned companies? NMA. It was NEA. Okay, NMA turned in NEA. Okay, I interned for like Gary, like Larry Gatlin uh, Enterprises or something. It was Gatlin Brothers Enterprises. Uh, I worked. Uh, that was what I did first. I got a part. I uh, interned. My first uh, like record company internship was for Jack. Weston. Weston? I was his, I was his, I was Debbie Belen's assistant. Okay. And, uh, and she, uh, you know, I, I would kind of, whenever she was going to a lunch, uh-huh. lunch, uh, I would just, uh, you know, do whatever she was need, whatever was needed to be so done. So you basically worked for Jack from lunch on. No. Every day. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, so I learned, that was my first Jackie internship. Was my boss, too. That's funny. So anyway, uh, one thing led to another. I worked my ass off. I, I just didn't want to not be out of a job. I got a part-time job in the mailroom at RCA. Also got a part-time job working in uh, Music City Music Hall, the studio over there. Oh, yeah. And that was where I got to second engineer for the Keith Whitley, Charlie Pride. Holy uh, cow. Uh, uh, Johnny Russell. Uh, uh See, Dang. a bunch of really cool. Uh, my first album credit was Janie Fricky. Wow, I think that's something. Anyway, Johnny Russell's the only writer I've ever met that has a Beatles cut. 
Seriously? Yep. There were some really disgusting things that they would talk about in the studio, and it was hilarious yeah. at the time. Yeah, but I work with him too. That would have been – it was insanely <laughs> hilarious though. And Bill Harris uh, was amazingly hilarious. Yes, and deaf. I don't know. All I know is it was, I couldn't even say what was so funny. There was some disgusting things that was amazing. Uh, I think he's definitely – he's you know cleaned up a lot since then. Yeah. But he's – I don't know if he's as funny because that was <laughs> – I don't think he'd be that funny, clean. But anyway – He was pretty stinking funny. It was incredibly funny. But we'll pass over that. So anyway, so I ended up working my ass off and anything I could do to get a job. And then I worked – that was got me through uh, – I got hard hard part-time at RCA, worked for Norman DeVazier. Mm. <laughs> and uh, other funny stories I can't say I was gonna in public. Say. But really, really, really funny stories. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so I worked there oh, for him, uh, and they hired me full-time after I got out of that. I stopped right. work doing the Music City Music Hall thing. Okay. Uh, and then because uh, they ended my job, they uh, st- they cut my job, ended having two male clerks at RCA. Oh, okay. And so I uh, Norm got me the job at uh, Masterphonics. Okay. Because so, I was wanting to be an engineer to be a producer. For some reason, I thought I was wanting to be a producer. Yeah. No rationale to any of this. So, and then I went over there, worked. I was a gopher. I'd be the uh, backup engineer, second engineer if they needed it. I'd be, if equipment went get got uh, broke, I'd have to figure out, replace it or <coughs> help them get it fixed, whatever, outboard gear. And I worked, I was working like 100 hours a week answering the phone at nights. And I was there if the doors was unlocked. So you're doing everything from... Second engineer, setting up mics, making coffee, taking the trash Everything. out, getting and, the mailroom in order. Yeah, and I, on weekends and at nights, I'd work in the studio by myself, tracking friends of mine or working, mixing in the mix room. And, I mean, it was the top of the line for yeah. Nashville, you know, so I got to learn on incredible career. Uh, gear. Incredible gear. And while I was working there, all these top producers, top engineers, every one of them was wanting to be producers. Basically, felt right. like all the best engineers – Wanted to do something else. And that's yeah. why I'm like, well, why am I wanting to work so hard to be an engineer if they're all the top engineers in town are trying to do something else? So that's why I'm yeah, like. Because you can replace the top engineers. I guess so. No, but anyway. And I, I, I just realized not all of them, but a lot of them wanted to do something else. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's a red flag, isn't it? So uh, so then I'm like, well, shit, I don't want to be in. I'm not a studio rat. Yeah. I, I'm a little too social. Not that I'm Mr. Social Eye, but. It was just the cave dweller. It's a little bit I'm of a not. cave, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, well, shit, I don't want to do this. What am I going to do? And Chris Ogilvy, uh, we got to be friends. And a few of them, Ron Stuvey, a bunch of my publishing friends, uh, I just hang out with just by uh, just by hanging out. And Chris is like, I think you'd be good in publishing. That's I'm, what I – yeah, because you probably – in the studio, you met every top musician. Yeah. Half of the top writers in town. Producers. Producers. Not really writers as much as producers. Did they uh, not do a lot of demos there probably? Maybe? No, there was none because okay. it was out. I mean, it was. Too much money. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. It was just all track. I mean, it was all, you know, and mostly uh, uh, like uh, Stroud, Bowen, uh, Tony Brown. Uh, so none of the biggies. Not really. <laughs> no, seriously. So that so those were the ones that worked there. I mean, they yeah. had a lot probably seemed like 90% of in, in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so I'm like, I don't do that, but I don't know what I'm going to do. And then Chris is like, uh, I think you'll like this, uh, you know, Al Irving. So, yeah. 
I'm like, well, shit, I'll try something because I don't want to do this. Uh, and so he got me an interview with Mary Dell and David because he was getting the job at Major Bob uh, Dreamcatcher or whatever all it was called. It was, oh, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Bob Dole, yeah. uh, Kai Fleming. Uh, 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 Stroud? Nope. Wasn't Stroud in Dreamcatcher? Mm-mm. This was uh, – this was uh, uh, oh, shoot. All I know is Major Bob. Okay. But also uh, – uh, I can't remember now. Oh, shoot. We'll come back to that. Yes. Anyway, Neil Thrasher's wife was also oh. that some of that stuff. Because I think, you know what I mean? Yeah. I okay. can't. Uh, Regardless. Okay. Yeah. Didn't know what publishing was. Started there in the mailroom. Tape copy is what they called it, you know. Right. Uh, Which meant? Uh, that you, well, you, all the new songs came into you and you would put them on all the all the uh the cassettes at the time for all the for all the desk copies for everybody. You also would made the the uh the copies that people would go play it in meetings. Right. It wasn't like, done by MP3s and no, not wave exactly files. cassettes yeah. at the time. It was past real to real least. So anyway, uh so I was doing that and uh I mean I have no creative bone in my body and uh and make uh I don't know it, it I don't know if it hit me then or it was if it was I don't know what my curiosity was at the time but these writers came in and would play these like Kent Robbins and uh shoot I mean there was so many uh well Craig was just starting to to you know to do to get some cuts and stuff yeah Craig Wiseman yeah and they would bring in songs and I, and uh I was just like oh, I was just for whatever reason I was like, holy shit! Yeah, these guys are. You wrote these, this. yeah, it's and crazy. I, and it was just from a redneck that was raised on the radio. It was like holy, it was like magic. It was yeah. literally like magic to me because of the world I came from. There was no none of this creativity <sighs> stuff in my world. I mean, if I would have come in, if I would have wrote a poem as a kid and read it to daddy or my mom. It'd been like, uh, son, we've got some issues here, <laughs> or you know what, what I mean. You, that what, just was not. What do you think about tires? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was just so uh, no, so I, foreign. Yeah, well, I mean, coming from your background is a lot like coming from my background. I figured when Kenny Rogers sang a song, it was because he wrote that song. But the writing I process. No did, I mean, I would have. I mean, it just was so far outside of my realm. Yeah, of of whatever. And I remember, I think David told me this. And me and David at the time, we always had an uh, interesting relationship because <laughs> David Conrad, uh, yeah. And uh, but he had told me, I mean, he's my mentor. I mean, he yeah. you know, at the time, I mean, he's still just so important to me still. Uh, but he said, uh, "Tell them if you like if you like what they're doing or something. Tell mm-hmm. them that you like it." And I'm like, "Me? Really? I mean, yeah. <laughs> this idiot. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because I was, yeah." And so I would, you know, if, if they came in with a song and I liked it, I'd say, I'd tell them how much I liked it. And they freaking loved it. Yeah. And yeah. It, and I mean, you know, and Kent Robbins is still one of my favorite people ever, you know. Yeah. And, you know, passed away at 50 years old in Whew. just a random rollover accident. Just heartbreaking. But I mean, and he had already written all these Classic hits from Stand By Your Woman Man to Straight Tequila Nights to Her Man to... Crazy. Uh, yeah. 
And I just, it blew my mind that me telling him I loved a song, he would just freak out. I remember recording the guitar vocal on Every Light in the House is On, and I loved it so fucking oh, much. Dude. I just kept telling him when he'd call in. But, you know, it's, uh, as you well know, it takes forever before it gets cut. Yeah. And he would call in. And by this time, I already know how it goes <laughs> and that, that he did like it. So I just made sure to tell him how much I loved Every Light in the House is On. Yeah. Just when he called me about random stuff. Just because he really loved it. And he was kind of goofy just by nature anyway. Yeah. But I just I just always told him that because it kind of make him feel uncomfortable. Everybody likes a pat on the back. Anyway, so one that all that led to another, and I became just a massive fan of songwriters. Massive fan of songwriters. Yeah, uh, uh, and it kind of got me through publishing the years of that. I enjoyed. Then I started finding songwriters, and that was a whole exploratory process of how to find them and how to. Yeah, help them get better at songs, which I learned from Chris Oglesby and David Conrad and Bobby, listening to them listen and listening to them give feedback to songwriters. And they were, I mean, David was militant about songwriters. Yeah. Every song that was written in that building went through him. Really? Oh, yeah. And he really? sat down and he listened to every song and he had feedback. Dang. Yeah. <clears throat> So you were like day-to-day guy for 5, 10, 15 writers, but still every song went through David yeah, I mean, at some point? Every song. He, like before you demoed her maybe? Even oh, just, yeah. Just guitar No, vocals? nothing was demoed without okay. approval. Yeah. You know. And uh, Wow. Yeah. There was, and I mean, but shoot, man. I mean, he's a legend, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And he was brilliant. Uh, I mean, I get it. I yeah. mean, me and him, problem is me and him had... I totally didn't like things he liked, and he totally didn't like things. Sure, yeah. You know, and that was where, you know, it was a, a struggle for me because, uh, you know, funny thing is with me is is whenever I was trying to figure out how to do it, uh, you know, you listen and you, you're like, these guys know because they do. Yeah. You know, their track record, you know, just by numbers, they know what the fuck they're doing. And then, uh, but I would think differently, but, you know, other people in the office disagreed with me and you're trying to figure out okay i guess i'm wrong yeah and you're just trying to and also you're just trying to figure it out and then i had engineer friends who were starting to produce marty williams uh mm-hmm. uh, uh marty williams uh mark bright i just knew through marty uh john guess he, oh, i think yeah. john guess probably had my might have been my first cut uh and mike clute cut a ton of uh yeah. of, of a diamond Rio song diamond Rio. i pitched him i mean Thank God for for these guys, uh, and I so I took these songs that I knew them as friends that I don't think they were really popular in the building, right? And they liked them, and they cut them, and I'm confused to trying to figure out seriously how to do my job because I want to do what I, I want to do, and it, it was really a, a strange process. And there I've learned obviously there's no lessons. Daryl Franklin. Was under me, same exact scenario reversed. It was all I could do to tell him something was a bad idea that was going to make him look bad. Right. Seriously, and I mean this. I wasn't trying. I wasn't, and I wasn't being arrogant about it. I was just. Yeah. I just wanted to protect Daryl of pitching songs that were respectable. I think sometimes those guys like David, and I know you're that way now. It's like you can listen to a song. And you may not like it, but you know it's a hit. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, so yeah, 
Sometimes. Or you know I, why it's a hit. Sometimes I just don't freaking have a clue. Yeah. Well, that's true. But too. the main thing is with Daryl, here's the funny thing is tables turned years later to where Daryl uh, got to, through through his dad, but not because of his dad. I, mm-hmm. he, he knew Dan Huff. Now, I thought he knew him really well. But I of don't course, think his dad he, is Paul Franklin. Yeah, yeah. So you know, who, so he was in sessions around. Yeah, uh, uh, and I just assumed he knew him more. And and I, we were like, okay, you're going to be the point person for Dan because huh? okay. he had just started producing. Oh, really? Like yeah. he just gotten back from LA? Kind of yeah, okay. yeah. And he was some of its very first production yeah, yeah. stuff. Uh, and uh, and so Daryl would, I, you know, I just it was. It was really funny because uh, after all the all the shit that in my head of trying to figure out the the David Marydell and really David's most anything is good from bad. Yeah, here I am, needs her wanting to do the same thing, and I just told Daryl, just tell me the title so I can make sure nothing's going on with the songs. Right, and I mean, there's uh, there's I mean, and he was taking songs. One of them was a freaking one of them was Teller, the dang loans. That song had been laying there. Craig wrote it with a, a London writer, Quasi B, Craig Wiseman. And uh, and so it was all I could do to tell him not to pitch the damn song because it's you, we want you we don't want you to be embarrassed. Right. I swear to God. Right. In my mind that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And the son of a bitch ended up having eighteen <laughs> cuts in the mailroom. Never got out of the mailroom. Ever. Ever. After 18 cuts? No. He wasn't that good after all. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Now, we, we laugh about that. <laughs> I tell Daryl, I was like, dude, you were down there for at least, it was like, what, year and a half, two years? It was like four and a half years. I'm like, really? Man. <laughs> now, and he went straight from that to being Dan Huff's, yeah. you know, A&R guy. Yeah. And he, and honestly, probably I'd say, shoo. A tremendous amount of my success as a song plugger was because of Daryl Franklin. Yeah. You know, so. Well, who were some of the favorite writers you worked with? Craig Wiseman was yeah, crazy. He taught me so much about the business. From the beginning, he was making me pitch his songs when I'm just trying not to piss people off. Right. Just my disposition can have issues with pissing people off. Making you pitch by saying... Hey, this song is called Thinking and Drinking. Take it to over there to play it for that guy. Is that what you mean? He introduced me to Missy Gallimore. Okay. And he said, and went over there and said, this is my guy. And so he. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Oh, I know. No. And he told me from the beginning, he said, dude, I mean, he embraced me from day one. It's like, piss my shit and blame it on me. Piss my shit and blame it on me. He constantly said that. And just watching. I mean, I learned, like I say, I learned so much from David. Uh, but seriously, Craig, just watching his process, because, I mean, he'd play me everything he wrote. And I'd, yeah. So I'd see his process, and, and right after a co-write, he would talk to me about, you know, I was, I would get, I'd set, he would kind of talk about the song right at whenever he was still working on yeah. the song. And it was, I mean, I was able to kind of watch him think, and it was, it was just uh, amazing. It was brilliant. I mean, I could not have learned under a better person. I couldn't have learned publishing from for me. Yeah. Because, I mean, as demanding, he was just like David, but he wasn't from a standpoint. 
not always a likable guy. Yeah. But demanded excellence. He also wanted the best for you. Yeah, but he always wanted the best for him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, so that's why both of them, I mean, were really yeah. hard on me, you know, in their own ways. Yeah. And uh, and so he obviously pushed me from the beginning to be a song plugger, to mm-hmm. be, I mean, he, he pushed me as much as anybody have. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in the early years, Kent, uh, Kent, or, uh, Kent Robbins. Yeah. Uh, just he was so cool, you know, he was, I can't even, I can't say how cool he was. Cause he was just, he was, he was such a studious looking guy Yeah, and nine to five, he clocked in and clocked out. Uh, but whenever he would play me songs and, and ask me about things, I remember him playing, uh, it would be you. I don't know if you remember that Gary Allen song. Oh yeah. And, uh, if it wasn't, if it wasn't, it'd be a hot, uh, <laughs> anyway, if I could sing or remember, this would be an amazing little part of the interview. Exactly. But because of both, it's nothing. Anyway, I remember him playing the song, and it was the chorus. If it was, if it was this, it'd be a, uh, if it'd be a, it'd be a long one, slow dance. Uh, if it was a heartache, it'd be you. And I remember him playing me that, and I'd already he would play me songs, and I just loved yeah. these guys playing me songs. I, it's, it was the biggest honor ever ever for these brilliant people to play me things and ask me my opinion. Yeah. Honestly, that I've never had a bigger honor ever. Did you, were you really hard? Like, you know, in that second verse, you know, where it goes, if I could understand it, your tense is wrong and this and that. Would you do that? Yeah. Because I mean, they spoke, they didn't want to know my opinion without why. Right. They didn't, good or bad, they didn't want me to have an opinion on anything without a reason. I had one publisher that after, I don't know how many years, she finally said, she kind of stopped doing that. And because she said, I have to trust my writers. You guys have looked at this song from every possible angle. And if that's what you think is best, then I'm just going to go with what's best. Unless it was just glaring, you know. It was a bicycle in the first verse, and it's a skunk in the third yeah. verse. What the crap's going on here? Yeah, I mean, there's all different ways of working. But, and yeah, if you can defend your position, yeah, then, no, yeah. But the thing is with me, I always, it, to me, it was never, I never looked at it as a critique. All of it right. was about questions. Yeah. What does this mean? Why is this here? Right. And if they didn't have an answer for it, then we had a problem. Yeah. If they couldn't answer the question, and I was honestly just asking a question. Sure. I, I am not the level of thinkers, any of you guys that can write a song. But if you're looking at a writer and, and going, if you don't get it, how are we supposed to get it? But, but then again, I mean, then again, I mean, there's been, uh, uh, <laughs> feels like today. Remember that song? Who wrote it? Who wrote uh, Who Steve Robson, it? and uh, it, was, it was Rascal Flatts' top. Feels 10. like today? Yeah. I'm sure I'd know it if anyway, I heard it. Anyway, don't matter. Uh so this is the way, this is reality, though. So I'm listening to the song. Uh, Steve Robson wrote it with uh, Wayne Hector, two great writers. And, uh, but, you know, they're pop writers. And Wayne, I think, was mostly the lyricist. And the melody, great. Uh, I don't know so him. Wayne Hector, mm-hmm. yeah, he, that was some of Steve Robson's early stuff that, that uh, we were pitching that started getting cuts in Nashville. Uh, Steve was our London writer at the time. And uh, anyway, 
So they would play a song, and I, I, like, there was a, it was a second verse, and feels mm-hmm. like today. And I'm like, and I'm listening to it just as a listener. And then it gets a second verse, and I'm like, I'm trying to figure out who is who, and I can't figure out who's, who's talking. talking to who. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, like I say, I, I ain't. I'm dumb enough just to be wrong more times than not. <laughs> Seriously. So I wasn't like, so I called Steve. I'm like, hey, Steve, I, man, I love the song. But the second uh, second verse, I don't know if it makes sense. And, of course, he's like, of course it makes sense. I'm like, right. okay, well, let, just, let's work through it and explain it to me. Right. So I'm going, to, you know, uh, uh, this, the first verse is this. Yep. First thing, I get all this. Second verse. Uh, and it was like, you see life like a highway, but always, and I'm like, Who's talking? Because it, it don't make sense. The person shift. Yeah. Kinda. I was like, it wasn't, I couldn't even get into that. I was just like, why am I, who's talking to who? And he's like, oh, man, you know, it's just kind of, I'm like, I, can't, I, I get what you're saying, but yeah. I can't, that that ain't going to work whenever they ask me this in a pitch meeting. And sure. that's what it comes down to. Yeah. When they ask me in a pitch meeting, who's saying who? I got to go, well, it's this person saying to this. Right. Because Missy Gallimore, whenever I pitched her uh, raining on Sunday, she called me. Great song. From somewhere. She passed on it. But no. <laughs> but listen, though. The, I mean, the thing that didn't help, second verse was uh, something about prayer nailed to a door, cross in Mexico. Yep. And she calls me. She's like, what is this? Yeah. Of course, me being the idiot, I didn't remember any of it. Right. So she's like, and she's reading me the lyric, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, uh, and then I stumbled, and then I'm like, well, you know what, it's, and I'd already lost it. Right. It didn't matter what I said. I was, yeah. she knew I was making shit up. <laughs> and still, it's just imagery. It is what it yeah. is, romantic imagery, kind yeah. of, in hindsight, if I didn't know what to tell it. And so I kind of. Knew I had to be able to answer the questions in case somebody asked me what the hell yeah. it means. Yeah. Just in a, you know, just that rationale. So anyway, so all that back to feels like today. So I'm like, dude, I, you know, hey, I'm just telling you, when they ask me the question, I need an answer. Yeah. So he calls back or something. He's like, hey, man, just change it to first person or second person, whatever, from first to second. And first I'm like, you're just being lazy. You don't want to rewrite it. And I look at it. I'm like, well, shit, now that totally works. <laughs> So, <laughs> I, whenever I pitch it to Marty, I'm like, I'm like, here's the deal, because they ain't gonna re-sing it for fuck's sake. Yeah. You know? So I'm like, which because that takes ten minutes. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just kidding. So uh, I said, second verse needs to be in first person or third person or whatever. Otherwise, it don't make any sense. Right. Got it. Top ten. Yeah. Makes D- no sense in the second verse. Didn't change a thing. No. Because, of course, so so what the hell does all this even mean? We don't know. Second verse can not make sense, but nobody cares because it's a top ten song. Anyway. So know. what about writers? Like, I know how much you love all those later cats like that, but what about guys like Bob McDill? You know, I had to learn to appreciate the Bob McDills, the Tom Shapiros, yeah. the facilitators, and not that they're just facilitators. But I, they're great writers, and they probably could write songs around a million people that I think is great. Yeah. 
But I was always drawn toward the writers that were very distinctive. Okay. And and honestly, stupidly, I didn't appreciate the people that was just as brilliant because I didn't know what their voice was. You went through later on, I think you kinda had did did you slow down pitching and you were doing more catalog? That was just the last stuff. couple of years. Just but you of. made a tape of Bob McDill demos. Yeah. And all Work of tapes. them were just Yeah. And all of them were just him and a gut string guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just like when you heard those great songs of his, just so naked, it just blew you away. But that's what I was always drawn toward is, I, you know a Bob McDill type of song. I say, you know, I always yeah. drawn toward a writer, Tony Lane. And I'll oh, say yeah. I always signed, for the most part, uh, the, Anthony Smith, uh, Anthony Ralph, uh, I always wanted to call him Ralph, but it never seemed right. I don't know. He sounds, I don't think he would have liked hey, it I don't as think well. he would have liked it either. Know. Anyway. Maybe, I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> but he had such a cool style. Yeah. Travis Meadows had such a great style. And honestly, as great, my favorite writer I think I ever I enjoyed working with more than anything is Travis Meadows. Yeah. And I probably didn't make him a dime. Right. And I don't know why. There's that fine line. It's probably line. part of life or, you know, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe it was where I was. I don't know. I think there's that fine line in your job of encouraging the writer to do what they do best, but also yeah. trying to encourage them, like, listen to the radio periodically. No, I never And you just that. can't hardly. I could never do that. Yeah. And so you kind of, sometimes you just kind of. Some writers are that kind of writer. Yeah. But Travis, I, the reason I loved, I don't know, I love Travis so many reasons uh i'm not gonna say i learned as much from him by no means than like i say from kent and from craig yeah uh but i just you know i i I worked through him through his you know craziest uh i say craziest kind of probably probably worst years for him but i just i never asked him a line or a word yeah that he didn't tell me exactly what he meant. Right. There was never a question ever in any line or any word he ever used in any song. And I, and we, he, same thing. He played me every song. Yeah. And we went through every song. And he and Craig both are equally at home wearing a flannel shirt or wearing a leopard skin jacket. Yes. Which is something. Underwear. <laughs> has has uh, country music changed? Too much in the last thirty years. You know what? I think you could always. I mean, I mean, it's always going to change. The Charlie, you know, the, the main thing is you look at that Charlie Rich thing on the CMAs. That was the most disgusting thing I think I've ever seen. Yeah. And I mean, John Denver, whose name he was burning, he was like blasphemy to so many people here. Yeah. And it's one of the. I mean, that man has probably influenced. 30 years of writers, John Denver's music. Yeah. And melodies and stuff. And, or a lot of people's. And so I, you know, I just, I don't, uh, music is not as precious to me probably as it should be. Yeah. I mean, I look at the reason people are liking music is because they like it. 
It's not Dude. their life. It's not their soul. You know, and I listen. I listen. I've always listened to pop music the most to this day, before it and since then. And I was raised in a little redneck town to where there's so much going on. Music is so on the back burner. Well, you know, we just lost Neil Peart, the drummer for Rush. Yeah. And my brother and I were talking about that because out in the middle of Holdridge, Nebraska, we were the only kids in town that liked that. And we were talking about, we've been listening to that for 30 years. And I said, so much of that music is not just great music, but it comes along with a whole bag of memories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, where like new music might be a hit on the radio right now, but I don't have any memories with it. Right. So I'm not attached to it that way. It's not precious to me. Because I, I didn't go to prom listening to that song yeah. or drive back to college listening to that song or whatever. But It's still, you know, I just don't, I, I, I really can't relate to people thinking, I've always thought, I've always liked maybe 20% at any point. Yeah. At best. Of any kind of music. Yeah. I'd say that's fair. And that's really, for me, never changed. Uh, yeah. I mean, hell, Tommy Cecil. Tommy Cecil. Yeah. I was wanting to sign him before I left Universal, uh, and he, because he was writing hip hop phrasing, right? But he's from Bardstown, Kentucky. Yeah, and I just it was before all this stuff hit, and I'm just like, that is cool as shit because his his words, his phrasing, his he just was it leaned left, and this was 2008, 2009. But like I say, four yeah. four Georgia line, all that it was for all that stuff. I just thought it was interesting. And so it was that's what I've always just listened for. Always just listen for he he had an interesting yeah. take. Couldn't sing a note, couldn't hold a chord. At the time, he's yeah. he has worked his ass off to to really get to where he's at and done incredible. And the guy's work ethic is is amazing. But I, you know, I just, I'm sure I would have been. Everybody thought I was a bastard for signing him because I was wanting to sign him uh, because he, like I say, I, it was just different. I just, I'm always, I just, I get bored pretty. You easy. You like what you like, but I always get bored pretty easy. Yeah. So I would have been, you know, the bro country or whatever the heck it is, whatever, whatever it's called. I actually would have liked that, but probably only would have liked for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean. With Cody, when I saw Cody, Randall, the new kid I'm working with, I don't really, I've never, with with Travis, with Anthony, I've never been good at trying to figure out markets. I only know, right. I have a, whatever the hell it's like, I, I know when something is different and pretty damn good. Yeah. Now, is it monetizable? I've never, and, and is it at right timing? That's the trick. Is for me, it was never spotting talent; it was timing it. Well, let's look at those guys, man. Cody and Roger Crager and Randall King are your main three. Uh, really, Roger. I, only the main thing I do for Roger, I, I do help him out on some A and R stuff, but mostly I just help him collect his money. Okay, uh, like I'm kind of his uh, music business business manager. Okay. All income streams from publishing and, and uh, streaming. A and R wise, I don't really. Uh, he does his own thing. He writes his own music. Right. I send my phone. Some co-writes, but he kind of ma- he makes his own records, and I help him in any way. I help put the music out. I really am almost an admin person. For you run A&R songs admin. past you? 
No, shoot. No? no. He had to tell me to go screw myself. Well, I mean, he just, I mean, yeah. I know he's done it for a long time. Yeah, and therefore he's probably not going to care what probably I think. Probably not. Actually, he's probably not going to like what I say. <laughs> <laughs> just because I'm the asshole that lives in Nashville. So, But the the dude has been incredible as, a, yeah. as an artist man. He is... He's a major influence. He's one of those cats that just knows 100% exactly what he is, yep. what his strengths are, what his strengths are not, and yep. he's going to lean to the strength every time. And he's made a damn good living yeah. doing it, and I wish the hell I could have had that much talent to build a living that he's built. He's yeah. built a hell of a living. Well, but Co- actually, those two, Cody, I, A, and R, so I mean, he's I He's awesome, him. man. Yeah, he's man. We're just still slugging away. I mean, fortunately, he's making a lot of money slugging away at it. But with him, man, we're just we're just uh, it's blue collar touring. And is he a two hundred and fifty show a year kind of guy? He's he's down to probably one twenty, one thirty. Because you know, as you get bigger, yeah, maybe one fifty. You, you know, he probably plays in Texas, maybe, and and it's only Texas has only been his touring base or, or touring. Numbers wise, maybe twenty percent for quite oh, really? a while. Yeah, because you know, as you grow, you, yeah. you can't play certain the big markets that often. So you, I mean, he tours from shoot from the northeast to the northwest to the southwest to the southeast. I mean, he's yeah, I'm country. always amazed at those smaller acts that will play Des Moines four times a year. It's like, yeah. really? What are you? Yeah, and you have to, but you doing. have to build to a place to where yeah. you can do that. And that's yeah. why I've learned Howie Edelman. Who, 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 him and, and Chad, uh, Goodelka at Red 11 is who built that damn thing with, obviously with Cody. Cody's a freaking brilliant artist, entertainer, live performer. Yeah. And a great singer. But they knew how to build markets and how to, when, when you back off markets and how to pace the markets yeah. for hard tickets in the build. And you only played, a show with the future of what's the next club you play. Right. What's the next play going to be? Right. Be at the same club, be at the same market. I mean, it was, it was uh, crazy how much I've learned from those guys. Is that Durango? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Durango you, uh, you have Skogun. Yeah. Skogun is what I was using actually. And I was using, and I still kind of, I oversee kind of writer managed Drew Kennedy. Okay. And I was running that through Skogun just because I brought that in. I was already helping him out when I came in, started working for Durango. Oh, okay. So I, I've continued to help Drew out. But honestly, Drew and Drew is one of the most brilliant lyricists. I don't know if you ever heard much of his stuff, but he's freaky. Uh, and I still kind of help so. him with overall things from the standpoint of publishing. You know, he still, he sends me songs. I, you know, I give him my input and he hates probably 90% of it and ignores the other 10%. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's just actually, uh, I help him, like I say, from not a day to day type of deal. But I'm yeah. just, now I'm just going to run that through Durango because I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, he don't need somebody day to day because right. he tours, makes a living. And writes for BMG, and uh, he's he's got it dialed in, man. He's doing great. How'd you find Randall King? Uh, whenever I was going to take, I've been looking for somebody. You know, when we when I started work for Amp under Tim Dubois, and that was when uh, Howie Edelman and, and Scott Kernahan was partnering. Okay. To to do Amp, which you had was killer offices. 
Yes, it was so killer that we couldn't afford them after a while. I loved going Strangely over there. Strangely enough. Yeah. I always felt like when I was writing over there with all the glass around, it was kind of like the smoker's lounge at the airport, except you couldn't smoke in there. Yeah, you couldn't smoke in there. <laughs> it was cool, though. Yeah. No, it's a very nice building. Yes. But, uh, no, uh, what did you ask me? About Randall? Randall King. God, you, so you went on a little sabbatical, a little walkabout. Yeah. For about five or six months, and you six spent months. a lot of time in the southwest uh, and Texas and all stuff. All the way through and, uh, D.C. Marfa, Texas, through Washington, D.C. Okay. So did you get more into the Texas music scene being down there? Uh, I was – it's an education. Yeah. Because most people up here don't have a clue about it. Right. Nor did I. Everything – because the funny thing is, I was talking about it recently, Haddocks have never been the cool thing in Texas. Isn't that crazy? Randy Rogers was not a hat act. Right. Pat Green was not a hat act. Corey Morrow, Pat Green. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the guys down Cross-Canadian ragweed? Correct. Definitely not. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's yeah. never been the cool thing. Cody Johnson, hat act. I mean, he, and I, whenever I saw him when I was down doing that blogging thing and saw him the first week I was out, Trent Willen told me about him. And I first time I saw that guy, he was a star. The way he walked across stage and put the damn guitar on. I, I talked to him a little bit beforehand, interviewed him because I was doing a little blog and yeah. needed to find something to write about. And I knew he was, you know, he come across, you know, confident and knew what he wanted to do and how he was going to do it. So I'm like, all right. And uh, so that was fine. Went to the bar. West, it was Wild West in Lubbock. And I swear to God, it, uh, the, the lights weren't on yet that, that I can recall. And, I, you know, there's 20 people in the bar. And, the way he walks across stage and just puts the guitar on, I'm just like, if that guy can just carry a note, yeah, he could be a he star. Can be all I swear right. to God. And then he sang. Yeah, and I remember him doing a Wichita Lineman, and he, I mean, sang his ass off. That's a great song too. That oh, helps. I know. <laughs> and uh, and so anyway, uh, so I spent. Yeah, I learned because when I saw him, that's what I was about to say. So I'm like, uh, you know, and that was beginning my first of nine weeks in Texas during that yeah. blogging journey. And uh, so I'm like, man, I saw this guy. And everybody's like, yeah, you know, it's not really. Because at the time, Josh Abbott was just starting to blow up. Oh, yeah. And uh, Casey Donahue actually was doing pretty good and and all these guys. And and actually, I, I, early days, I met with Josh Abbott and everything before I left Universal. Right. And uh, and I did like what he was doing, you know. Uh, it, was, it was early days. But uh, – and everybody was like, yeah, the Cody thing, that's kind of not what's going on. You know, it's not what goes on down here. And I'm sitting there going, well, I don't know what the hell apparently goes on down here. But that motherfucker's great. Yeah. I just knew in my mind, if he moved to Nashville. They would ruin him. No. No. <laughs> no. He, they would know what that, I mean, they would recognize that if yeah. in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know what's going on. So it really, uh, the Texas thing is really a lot more. Complicated. I say it's complicated. It just, it's not what I thought it was. So, did you bump into Randall King down there then? That saying, uh, so whenever AMP started, it was always like, looking for somebody. We need to find somebody. We need to find another Cody Johnson. Actually, it was kind of what I kept, you know, was hearing a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'd, anytime I was in Texas, I'd go down there because I had to go down there for Roger and I had to go down there for Cody most right. of the time. I would always, there was about, you know, six bars in the state that I kept up with their. Uh, the calendar, and I would just go through, and if I was within a couple of hours, I would, I would, uh, I would look through that, and I was going to Austin for 
Roger show somewhere in the area, and, and I just looked through uh, uh, one of the one of the pubs, uh, one of the bars is Blaine's Pub out in San Angelo. Mm. So it's, I mean, it's not really close. It's maybe three hours from Austin. But I just heard, and I, like I said, I usually hear it. I mean, and it it's only a line or two, you know. Yeah. It the the tone is immediate, like the tone is immediate, and the uh, and the lyrics is a line or two. Yeah. I mean, it's that way with to this day. It don't take any more than that yeah. for me to have an opinion. And I, I was like, yeah, you know, it's pretty. <laughs> In opinion. So anyway, so I uh, heard it, drove out there. He was playing with some uh, girl uh, that was, they were performing some little thing back and forth doing songs. And I really, uh, I'm like, I really liked his voice. Yeah. Uh, I liked his, I loved his, uh, his writing <coughs> songs. Did he write everything on that one album? Uh, Does he only have one album? He's got an EP that he wrote everything okay. on. Okay. He did a, that self-produced album. He okay. wrote everything but one Tony Lane song. Okay, I so, love that record, man. Do it. I love that record. Yeah, man. He 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 He's a great he, singer. He did. He kind of reminds me of Chestnut, not in his the vocal quality as much as the real exactly. cowboy trills and too. stuff. You I know, it's like it's really exactly. cool. The way singer. he falls off notes. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Singer. No, but so I saw him. I left and I DM'd him on Facebook and. uh and he DM'd me back that day. He wasn't going to. Apparently, his drummer said, because I'm talking to him years <laughs> later. And and this is, this is as you probably run into, this is not uncommon. Uh, you can give them your card. You can say everything. And they won't even, and yeah. they will have nothing going on. Yeah. And they'll never reach out to you. Right. Well, anyway, so I DM'd him. I was like, hey, man, saw you, th- saw you, uh, you know, at uh, Blaine's Pub. And, you know, I'd love to. You know, love to hear anything I can do. You know, I, I don't try to do anything other than anything I can do to help you. Send me songs or anything I can do. Right. That's it. You know. And uh, and he's telling me, you know, a couple of years later, he's like, yeah, I wasn't going to call you back. I'm like, <laughs> now what? You had nothing going on. What, what the? Did I why make the you fuck? mad? <laughs> you know, he's like, well, I said, how much I said have you ever Googled anybody I said just Google my damn name he said well no I did that and and he's like I will tell you though if you Google your name there's I think 46 Scott Gunners well that's fine but there'll be one in Nashville that's been in public exactly that looks just like that looks a little like me or Scott (laughs) Hamilton wow but he was never in publishing good point that I know of (laughs) Anyway, people come up to me, literally talking to me, thanking me for my thing that I did that was Scott Hamilton. The the skating. Yes. Yeah. Olympic skater. He's two inches shorter than me, by the way. And like three years older. And he's a better skater. Just making that point. Anyway, (laughs) he will never be me. Right. Because he's older. Anyway, now – so, I, you know, so he said, well, I, I found you. And I'm like, well, that guy's not going to be out here. Well, so because I had some kind of background, he right. thought, well, that's definitely not right. the right guy. But his drummer talked him into it. He direct messaged me. That's funny. Came to Nashville. And literally when he came to Nashville, I made a comp of Tony Lane. Okay. Because Tony Lane's one of my greatest. It's good place he's, to start. He's probably my favorite 
Nat Texas artist ever. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and his, everything about him drips from Comanche, Texas. Dang. Everything about him, and I always use him as an example, especially with Texas artists, because I'm like, all right, this is the most Texas motherfucker yeah. you'll ever hear. But he's so brilliant, he has hit songs. Right, right. It, his music, <laughs> his songs are so of that land. Yeah. But it's so great. It It's on every whatever level it needs to be on, right. it's going to hit. So that it ain't about writing regional music. It's about writing great, great music. song. Yeah. And so I gave him a, a comp. I said, oh, you don't know who this guy is probably check this out. You don't have to put Shinerbach in every song. No, you don't. Have and you know to. what? You, you can. can, you can put it all over. Yep. But, and if you do it brilliant enough, yeah. but you don't have to. No. But anyway, <laughs> so he's fortunately, we work together now. Yeah. It's been amazing. I love him because I uh, I love his language. I love his heart. Uh, I love his heart. Yeah, I mean, in, in that awesome, album, man. you know, Freightliners is about riding with his dad. Dude, I freaking love that song. I mean, because that's how he learned. His dad would uh, he he only time he got to spend with his dad was in the truck because his dad was a truck driver. Really? So he would get he'd ride in the that's truck. That's a great way dad. to open the album too, man. Yeah, and I just I forgot what was he was wanting to do at first. I want it if it ain't broke to start. Okay. I just, I wanted something yeah. just like. I like that. Here I am, motherfucker. Yeah. And uh, he was like, oh, it's a little bit too much. So Freight Liner, <laughs> we, we kind of, but I mean, but the song, and when he knows me, like I say, I, I mean, he, he's cried more times than not when he plays that song live. Oh, I bet. And I mean, he, he, he has so much heart to his yeah. writing. Uh there's yeah, I mean that's just I I have to have that with Travis, with Craig, with Anthony, with the, I mean I've written I mean I've worked with so many great writers, but those guys all and like I say anybody that wrote songs that I loved uh, had to write something that that really and and drew, uh, drew the same way though something that really meant yeah. had a, came from a really deep place and Randall. Same way, you know, and also and getting all this shit. Cody Johnson, one of the greatest things about him is this Dear Rodeo song. I don't know if you've heard his album. Yes, I love that. Yeah, that song was great because yeah, I listened to that this morning. He said that he was never able to admit that the reason that he stopped that, the reason that he wasn't able to stay in rodeos because he wasn't good enough. Mm. And he was never able to say that until now. That's interesting. That was freaking, but that song. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was written from a, and, and, and like I say, Cody can do it. He's, he's, he don't write much, but I, you know, I beg him to, cause he's, yeah, he, he, he comes from a very serious, dark plate, mm. deep, not dark, but deep place. Sometimes dark, but deep. For our uneducated listeners like me, can you explain the difference between country music and Texas music and how it's different working mainly with Texas artists? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't, can you put I mean, your finger on it? No, because the Texas artist, I, I don't know really what defines a Texas artist. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know either. Because honestly... 
Cody or Randall could be a Texas artist, but they do music. Uh, you know, I've A&R'd both those guys' music, and I don't give two shits less about Texas music. Yeah. I give a shit about the song being great yeah. as it can be. Well, Texas is its own. I mean, I know they think they're their own country, but you have everything from Cody and Randall to Stevie Ray Vaughan, Eric Johnson, ZZ Top, George Strait, Pantera. I mean, yeah. it's, it's... Beyonce. I mean... Yeah, it's one end of the thing to the other. So if you say Texas music, that's a weird blanket to throw over something. The Texas music scene is something now that's specific. And it's... Yeah. The, the Texas music scene is... There is nothing. There is no second place to it. And it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks that not one other state oh, yeah. demands you to play your music that you wrote. They don't uh, give a shit how shitty it is. Yeah, they are going to man to hear your story, not George Strait's, right? Not Hank Senior. Yeah, not the coolest Texas music ever. They want to know your story. They want to yeah. talk to you. And if you get up there singing. I mean, and honestly, uh, I mean, and, and Cody and Randall, they all do, will do some covers sure. and songs, and fans will love that, but they only are going to love that if they're hearing your story. If they've already, yeah. And I mean, like I say, the, the fans demand it. The club owners demand it. That's awesome. And it's the damnedest thing. I mean, I, I worked with this kid, Chris Cavanaugh, who you remember. Absolutely. I was helping book him. I, me and him both were booking the Midwest from... Missouri through Ohio Valley, Indiana, Illinois, uh, some of Southern Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Kentucky. It was a shitty state to book. Uh, <laughs> it was, man. And, uh, I mean, Cole Kong clubs and getting them in close. But you did not tell them you were doing original country. You really? don't tell no. You don't tell any country club outside of Texas. Well, how much Montgomery Gentry do you know? Right. Yeah. I know. And so whenever I talk to Texas actors, they're like, yeah, man, I know you were working with a kid up there. Man, I'd love to play those Midwest clubs. I'm like, well, you better learn a lot of fucking cover songs because mm. you, you pull out that original stuff and you ain't going to be invited back. So are the clubs in Texas five sets a night? Different like ones are that? different. Okay. I mean, the, the, the ones that's that... That's a lot of music. The ones that Randall plays. Uh, I mean, we... It's like anything else. Uh, there are those clubs, but yeah. there's absolutely clubs that... You know, you'll, they'll want, I mean, Randall, from the time I started working with him two and a half, three years ago, we do one 90 minute set. That's it. Yes. I mean, some nights there'll be something to where you'll, they'll want like two sixties or two forty five. you know, but it's, you know. Generally it's one 90 minute set. Yes. And find a freaking state in the damn country that plays country music, a bar, I mean, there are, and honestly, there are some now. There isn't any in this town. Yeah. Well, I mean, and actually, Randall's playing Lebanon uh, oh, February really? 7th. But I mean, as far as a state yeah. or a a market or a circuit that that is that, that's, yeah. So, yeah, Texas is amazing. There's just that. There's a damn format. There's radio stations. Yeah. There's a... A, a chart for the state yeah. of country music. It's Texas country, but it's yeah. if you're. I mean, Randall, uh, Aaron Watson. Uh, oh, dude. Absolutely. I mean, Aaron Watson's another. He is built. He built it for Cody. Did yeah. I mean, with, as a hat act, 
And they've been touring internationally. They tour nationally. They tour internationally. Yeah. I mean, they have built something that people think is Texas music. It it ain't Texas music. Yeah. It's country music that they tour internationally. People think he's Texas, and it's like, holy shit. I mean, yeah. people don't know. No, people see the hat and they assume. Oh, it's that Texas music is like, well, you go down to Texas and see how. Yeah. You know, Cole Wetzel is and Parker uh, McCullum right now. They are rocking down there. They're the new kids. They are not doing what Cody or Aaron or Randall's doing, yeah. but they are rocking in Texas, and actually outside of Texas too. But that they just blew up down there. Hmm. So, what's the last song you heard that just blew you away? Man, shoot, I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll, uh, the song that's on top of my head is I Always Wanted To. It's uh, Alan Shamlin, uh, Tom Douglas, uh, uh, what's, uh, Jordan Shellhart song. Dang. It's a, I listened to it. Uh, Kim Wiggins sent it to me. Oh, okay. Song plugger over at Seagale. Great song plugger. Yeah. And, and I'm like, um, I'm like, fuck me. I can't listen to that again. Yeah played it for Cody and Cody's like, I can't listen to that again. So I'm like, sorry, dude. I just, <laughs> hey, and I don't know if it's Cody's song or not. I just know whenever a song, you know, I, I you know, with Cody, whenever I in R, I'm the idiot that's looking for songs I love. Still, right. You know, for, yep. it's better or worse. And it's a double edged sword. Yeah. But I was like, dude, all I know is I couldn't, I had, I couldn't listen to it. Thought again, I ought so to play it for you. Yeah. And I mean, and, and he's learned it. We'll see what happens, you know. But yeah, that's the song that comes to mind. But what books are you reading these days? Not a damn one. Nothing. No, I've been horrible. It's the last five years, I've literally so much to keep up with. I don't. I, whenever my reading time is reading, you know, tech stuff or what's the new, what's the streaming stuff about? Yeah. What's the it's really business stuff. I have sucked at that. Last book I read, I don't even remember. Uh, oh, man. You know, my friend Lang Martin wrote a book, basically kind of a... a, a How do I know that name? Lang Martin wrote Rub It In. He wrote... Uh, oh, okay. Uh, one of the greatest human beings on the planet. Uh, uh, he wrote... It's basically an autobiography. It's It's... It's just crazy, you know. He 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 wrote other hits, so I can't. Yeah, I can't think. Do that. But he's just one of the sweetest guys. And I read his. That was the last book I read, and it wasn't anytime soon. What's your next uh, international trip? Because you are the uh, international I man used of mystery. To travel some. I don't know. My sisters and them want to go to Spain, but I'm not sure if I can fit that in this year. May go back to London for hopefully for a friend or something. But that's yeah. it. If you weren't in the music business. What would you be doing? Obviously, probably not selling tires. No, I'm not employable in that. I don't know. <laughs> I do. I did love traveling and writing about. <clears throat> yeah, you're really good at that, man. I don't even know, but I that was the greatest experience, creative experience ever. Yeah, I learned so many things that writers always told me that I didn't understand till I had to write. Hmm. I learned about voice. I learned about the spin, the angle. Yeah. The, the, your description of something. It was everything. Yeah. I mean, 
it wasn't what I saw. It was how you saw it. Exactly. Yeah. And I didn't understand that because yeah. I thought I could just write what I saw, but I'm not a descriptive writer. I have to write on my opinion of what I saw. Right. Yeah. Which was crazy because I, that's what I remember asking Anthony Smith years ago about this great song title he gave me. And he said, man, I just, I've not found the angle yet. And I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? I'm like, it's a great, it's a great idea. What was it? I don't remember. Did he write it? Did he mm-hmm. find it? Yeah. I don't even, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I liked it. Much. But it's one of those things where, yeah. you know, my idea was, you know, I don't know. Anyway, but he did write brilliant stuff. But no, yeah. I, I don't, but that was what I, the, the writing thing I loved. I loved the process. And I, I thought about, I was going to, I thought about doing it, of going 70 from state line to state line and just writing oh, yeah, about what you see. Just what I see. Bold peanuts. People I see. Yeah. So, yeah, now that's, uh, that one's, uh, I want to, I want to, I, I want to get back in that blogging headspace. Yeah, man. Because I loved it, but damn, it was hard. Well, it was very hard. You got a gun. Got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you, man? More of the same. You're still looking for artists, I assume. Yeah, writers, I mean I that's kind of depressing because it takes a long. I mean, yeah. From the time I didn't, at the time I discovered Cody. Not that I was worked with him for a couple of years and had nothing to do with that. I was looking the whole time, every time. I, I mean, for years, all over the damn country. And Randall was the next one I saw. Mm-hmm. And it ain't finding them. It's it's the lottery odds on them having everything. Yeah, because ready, ready to go. Yeah, the talent. Yeah. The talent is twenty five percent of it. Yeah. Because once you've – the odd chance of me finding it, and like I say with Randall, I'm like, holy shit. You know, you you keep thinking, surely he's not got this. And honestly, he's a good-looking kid. I didn't yeah. give a shit what he looked like. I mean, I just wanted him to have a great voice with a with a, a unique a, – a, a great tone yeah. with a unique creative voice. And you can work with him. And he's coachable. He's not bonkers. No, coachable is everything. Yeah. He's coachable. The reason that we, I kept talking to him, he would send me every, he would send me every song he wrote, and I would just email him back my thoughts. And sure as shit, he listened. Yeah. And I'm not saying he changed stuff, but he listened. Yeah. I don't want people to change shit. Just it's nice to have an outside voice. Just somebody to who's not, yeah, married to the song or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and to this day, man, I, Cody and. And and Randall both, the the artist. I if people if they don't listen, it's really difficult, you know. Unless you know you do have those certain people that just are, they are just on it. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much Taylor Swift had to listen to anybody. She was just yeah, birthed as a freak as a freak. She's you know, fully formed what she is. Yeah. You yeah. know, and talk people that knew her from 12, 13 years old. So, and not that, like I say, my, my main thing is about all of it. I don't believe you change. I don't believe you change things unless you believe it should be changed. Yeah. And so with anybody I've worked with, from from Craig to, to, to everybody I'm talking about, 
they the I always felt the most successful that I ever worked with, they didn't change stuff, but they at least listened to see if it needed to be changed hmm. and then threw it away or not. Yeah. You know? Well, buddy, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Love you too, Bart. Been a good friend for a long time. We've uh, traveled. Traveled together. Holy bat crap. Bat cave? Wasn't yeah. there a bat cave? I think there was My a bat cave. My name Florence? Yes. Wasn't it a bat cave? Oh, yes. <laughs> I like that place. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bart. Get some sleep. Probably will. Bye.